Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Thank you for all of those wolf whistles and encouragement. <laughs> Cheers, Daniel. I don't think you made that awkward at all, so thank you. Uh, so um, I've been thinking this week, like, that we're in this time of transition, that maybe you're feeling a little bit unsettled. You're feeling like there's lots of craziness going on. Every week we come and we're like, hey, I've got another announcement. Something else has changed. And, and so I was kind of really feeling for you guys this week. And... I was praying and saying, Lord, give me like a really encouraging word for the church at this time. Give me something which is going to be really helpful, that's going to bless, uh, that's going to edify them. And um, so I decided to call my talk this morning, I want you to fail. <laughs> oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> I want you to fail. Let, like, let me explain before you walk out and stop listening. Um, think back to when you were a kid. You're maybe like three or four years old. And that time you climbed up on the brick wall. And you started running on the top of that brick wall as fast as you could. And you were like, Mommy, look at me, I can fly. And, and your mum looked up at you and she said, Yes, Benjamin, you can fly, run faster. Didn't she? <laughs> Did she, heck? She was like, What? Get down, you're going to kill yourself. If you don't get down and kill yourself, I'm going to kill you. She freaked, didn't she? She went completely mental. Uh, and she kind of pulled you down and she probably slapped you up a little bit. At least if your mum's like my mum, that's what, that's what happened to me. And she was like, you never climb up a wall and do something that dumb again. And it's because your mum knew what my mum knows, which is what we all know, which is falling hurts. Uh, that the failing is painful. That, that pain can persevere, that it can, it can literally ruin your life. And, and so she was afraid for you. And we learn this more and more growing up. And, and as we get older, risk feels riskier. You know, we get a pet cat, and now all of a sudden I'm not just looking after myself, I've got a creature that I'm responsible for. And then you get a wife and, and kids or a mortgage, and, and it's like everything becomes harder, doesn't it? Like risks feel heavier. And, and, and what I find myself doing is I go through my Bible, and I love the words that we had earlier, and those are the ones that I highlight. Mm. You know, Romans 8.28, love it. <laughs> Absolutely love it. It's like we highlight all the good things, but the truth is when we read the Bible, it doesn't always talk about us being victorious. Mm. You know, it talks a lot about strength coming from weakness. Yeah. It talks about the poor who are blessed the meek who will inherit the earth. It, it talks about those that mourn that are going to be comforted. It, it talks about those who are last somehow being first. And, and, and we seem to miss this. And it might well be that you're here today and you're feeling like fragile. You might be feeling fractured. You might have come here praying and saying, Lord, I want you to fix me today. But what if God doesn't want to fix you because that very feeling is actually a sign that you're following Jesus. Wow. Wow. You know, I think we walk around sometimes and, and we pray for the comfort, we pray for the joy. 
But that's not how it always is. And when I read the Bible and I look at the experience of the disciples, you know, those 12 guys who were literally following Jesus, it doesn't look like a strut all the time. It looks like strength coming out of weakness. And so I want to read a story to you. I just want to get into this story. I want to take my time and work through this story. And it's a story about failure and how God will transform the way you see failure in your life. So if you've got a Bible term with me, we're going to go to a book called Matthew. It's in the New Testament. And we're going to jump straight to chapter 14. And as you're finding it, I'll give you a little bit of background. What's just been happening is Jesus has been doing this amazing teaching. He's just like the best teacher. People come from all around. They hear he's coming and everyone just gathers and they're like, we want to listen to, to Jesus teach. And they get so excited, they forget normal stuff like the fact that they need to eat. And so all these people have come to hear Jesus, Jesus teach, and then they're like, oh, we're hungry. And so Jesus is like, okay, what have we got? Okay, we've got a little bit of bread, a little bit of fish. And he feeds 5,000 people just miraculously. And it's completely amazing. And then he's like, okay, I need some space. So he puts the disciples in a boat, and he goes up a mountain. So this is Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, and it says this. Immediately after this, that's the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. How much choice does it sound like the disciples had in this situation? Jesus insisted. It's like, guys, in the boat. Where are we going, Jesus? That way. Where are you going, Jesus? Not that way. See you later. Have fun. He just stuck them in a boat and pushed them out to sea. And I imagine the disciples in this boat, as they're going out, probably looking and saying, hey guys, remember the last time we were in a boat? That time when Jesus was asleep and there was a storm. That was crazy, wasn't it? He wouldn't send us into another storm, would he? Like That wouldn't be consistent. Guys, I think there's dark clouds on the horizon. This is not looking good. And do you know what I imagine as well? I imagine John in the boat. And John, for me, in the Bible, he's the chipper one. He's the one who would be encouraging. And I also think that John is maybe a little bit Pentecostal. So he would say something like, guys, you know there's nowhere safer than the will of God. Hallelujah. Can I get a witness in this boat? There is nowhere safer than the will of God in your life. Which is great, except the will of God is pushing them out in a boat into the middle of a storm, right? It doesn't seem like the safest place. And, and I think like, that, that confuses us. That, that weirds us out because we love this idea that, that God is safe. But the Bible never tells us that God is safe. The Bible tells us that God is good. You know, I believe that your soul is completely safe with Jesus. I believe your heart is so safe with Jesus. Your plans, your expectations, your dreams... They're absolutely not safe with Jesus. Jesus is not a safe God. And so they're, they're just pushed out into this boat going like, oh, what is going to happen? Uh, verse 24, meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting the waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. So these guys have gone into the middle of a storm. Last week, I was talking about a storm as well. 
I was talking about the, the waves that we create around us, how the words that we choose can create waves around us, they can create storms, how our approaches to situation, the voices that we listen to, our expectations and the shame that we carry around with us every single day, that all creates waves and storms. But this is a situation where Jesus has pushed them into a storm. And, and I want to point this out because I don't want you to go through life thinking every time you hit a storm that it was your fault. I don't want you to go through life thinking every time you hit a storm that it's like an attack from the devil. Maybe it's just stormy season. You know, maybe storms just are going to come. And the fact that you're in a storm doesn't mean that you're not in the middle of the will of God for your life. You know, you could be in a situation and just because it's hard doesn't mean that God isn't in it. Your marriage might be hard right now. But it doesn't mean that God is not in it. It doesn't mean you can check out. Your kids might be hard right now. You might be having arguments with your kids every single day. You might not understand them at all, but you don't check out just because it's hard. Your finances might be hard today. You might be trying to get out of a cycle of debt and it's hard and you keep fighting and you keep fighting. But just because it's hard doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to keep working, to keep fighting, to keep pushing through. Just because it's hard doesn't mean that God is not in the middle of it. And so these guys, they're, they're sinking in the storm and then they see this, this ghost come out on the water. And I love their response. It says that they, that they cried out. The, the actual word in Greek uh, for cry out is an inaudible scream. Do you know what that sounds like? Ah! Like this is schoolgirl screaming, right? It's Hey, dude, why are you screaming like a girl? Ah! Uh, I'm following Jesus. Uh, hey, dude, why are you in a boat in a storm? Uh, I'm following Jesus. Dude, why are you seeing ghosts? Because I'm following Jesus. You know, we preach sometimes, if you follow Jesus, your life is just going to be awesome. You know, you'll be rich, you'll be famous, everything will be great. Um, but the truth is, probably not. Probably not. That's, not. that's not what's happening in this story at all. It probably won't be all that awesome. It probably won't be all that brilliant. There probably will be storms. There probably will be hard times. There will be stuff that you don't understand. There should be times in your life when you're just screaming like a little girl because you have absolutely no idea what is going on. In fact, I would say, if you haven't had any times when you're just completely confused by your life, you should stop and ask yourself if you're still following Jesus. Because following Jesus looks like standing in a boat in a storm, screaming like a little girl. Hallelujah! Can I get a witness? <laughs> I should become Pentecostal. I really like it. <laughs> And so they're like, is it a ghost? And Jesus speaks to them. He says, don't be afraid. He says, take courage because I'm here. And Peter calls out to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come. Walking on the water. And Jesus says, yes, come. Now, um, Peter. Okay, if this was you or me, what would you have done? I'd have been like, Lord, if it's you, stop the storm. Now, Lord, if you're in this, 
stop the storm. That's how we pray, isn't it? Lord, this is hard. If it's you, take it away. Lord, I really need a job. Uh, If it's you, uh, give me a job now. Lord, give me a woman. Lord, the next woman who walks through that door, whoa, sweet Jesus, that door, Jesus, that door, Jesus. Lord, fix this situation now. Like, that's how we pray, isn't it? Like, Lord, Lord just, just solve this right now because I don't like this storm. This is crazy. I don't want this. That's not what Peter does. Peter has this incredible faith. He, he doesn't ask for God to change the environment. He's like, Lord, if it's you, give me a command. Lord, if you're in this storm, tell me what to do. Tell me to come. Do you have faith in the storms of your life? Not to just say, Lord, take it away. Not to just say, Lord, I want out of here. But to say, Lord, I trust that you have put me in this boat for a purpose. So give me a command. Because I'm here for a reason. Tell me to come, and I'm coming. That's what Peter does. He says, one word, Jesus. That's what I need. One word, tell me to come, and I'm there. And then he does. It's ridiculous. It says, it says, so Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on water towards Jesus. I love the Bible. It just says it like, just like that. Peter just jumps over the side of the boat and walks towards Jesus. And I've been thinking about this passage all week. And this is how I think it went down. This is how I imagine it happening. (laughs) That's more dancing than I've done in five years. (laughs) But the truth is, when we watch people step out in faith, this is how we think it feels. When you see someone else doing it, you think it's a cocky strut and a little heel click, and it's fun. But then you experience it for yourself. And God tells you to get out your boat. It doesn't feel like that at all, does it? It does not feel like that at all. I don't know about you, this is how I think it really went down. This is what I think really happened. I think he said, Jesus, if it's you, come. Please don't say come, please don't say come, please don't say come. And then he hears, come, Peter. <sighs> okay. And then it would look like, uh, coming out of the, is the water. Uh, yeah, yes, yes. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Okay, okay. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Help me, help me. Please don't let me. I can see all the way to the bottom, but it's okay. Ah, Yes, yes, yes. Only 200 more steps to go. Okay, Jesus. This is ridiculous. What am I doing, Jesus? Why am I here, Jesus? Yes, yes, thank you, Jesus. It would have been one careful step and another miraculous, completely insane, cautious step of absolute faith, looking down and knowing there's no way I can do this. I can't do this. This is only through Jesus and it's, it's prayer, constant prayer. It's little girl shrieks of help at every single step. It is not a cocky strut. And it says he stepped and he walked and one meter went, 10 meters went, 
maybe 50 meters went as he walked towards Jesus, who he just saw in the distance, who looked like a ghost, just a voice, one word, and he took that walk of fear. And the Bible tells us that the fear actually overcame him, that he started to focus more on the waves than he did on Jesus. And sometimes when, when we, we read the story, we can, we can judge him for it. We can be like, yo, Peter, why don't you fix your focus on Jesus and not be a loser sinking in the waves? I always speak to Peter like that. None of you guys have ever walked on water. How dare you? That's so rude. It's unfair. I can't believe you. But we do. We're like, Peter, what are you doing? But the truth is, I think we do this all the time. You know, we build ourselves up in faith. We're like, yeah, Jesus, I believe you're calling me to do this. I'm going to go for it. And then we go for it. And then we get a bill. And we're like, or not, thank you. I'll get back in that boat. Or you're like, oh, yeah, Jesus, help me. Give me the right words. I'm going to share my faith with my friend. We get to your friend. And you're like, hey, do you want to come to the pub? And it's like something in the face of what we actually do. We build ourselves up. We get the faith. And then when we're in the heart of the situation, suddenly we stop focusing. And we start focusing on the situation, the consequences. You know, Jesus, I'm going to forgive that person. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to forgive. And then like that unforgiveness just rises up inside you like a wave. And the next thing you know, you're just sinking into the middle of the storm. And it says, Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. I love that picture. That, That Peter went down and Jesus was immediately there doesn't say Jesus strolled over. Jesus was immediately there and he grabbed him and he put his foot on his head and he pushed him under the water and said, look what I'm doing to Peter, guys. Don't you ever do something this stupid again. Don't you ever think you can walk on water. Don't ever get out of the boat. I'm going to hold him down for 30 seconds and he's going to learn his lesson. Like That's what we think sometimes God's like. Like that he's going to just, just do that. But that isn't God. God doesn't do that. God is immediately there. God is grabbing his hand and he's pulling Peter up out of the water. Immediately, the Bible tells us, if you want to know what God looks like, 2 Corinthians 4, it says, he is exactly like Jesus. He is exactly like this. When you are sinking, when you are failing, when you are falling, God is exactly like this. He is there and he pulls Peter up. And there's still this storm. The storm is still going all the way around them. It's like, pew, pew, pew. And he's like, Peter, we need a chat. Peter's like, oh, can we go back to the boat, Jesus? No, we're going to do this here. We're going to have a chat right here, right now. And so Jesus turns around and he says these words to Peter. He said, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? You have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? You know, I've struggled with this verse. I've genuinely struggled with it. How can Jesus say to Peter, you have so little faith, when Peter's done something that most of us could only dream about? How is that fair? How is that right? And and so I was thinking about that all this week as well. And I remember last week we were looking at this other story about them in the storm. Do you remember that one in the book of Mark? Uh, And Jesus was asleep in the boat and they woke him up and Jesus turned around to them and he said you guys have no faith he says you guys have no faith it's a different word this time he's saying you have little faith 
Before they had no faith, now he has little faith, so his faith has grown. His faith is going in the right direction. And I was thinking more about this, and I was like, how could he have little faith? He walked on water. And I think it's important to understand the distinction of what it could mean to have little faith. You see, Peter's faith was good. Peter's faith got him out of the boat. Peter's faith got him walking towards Jesus. It wasn't the quality of his faith that was bad. It was the duration. He started walking out and he had incredible faith, but the duration was little. It was the duration that stopped and then he sank. And I think that the moral of this story is not actually fix your eyes on Jesus and you will never sink. The moral of this story is you will sink and you will fail and it will happen again and again and again. But stay close enough to Jesus so that when you do fail, he's right there in the middle of the situation with you and he will pull you out again and again and again. See, this isn't the story about Peter's incredible ability to walk on water. This is a story about the grace of Jesus in every season of our lives. What happens next is absolutely amazing. They go back into the boat. And I I think about this as well. What's interesting in the story is Jesus hasn't calmed the storm yet. The storm is still crazy. They're having this chat. And there's a sense in which it's like Jesus puts his arm around Peter. He's like, look, Peter, we're going to finish this. We're getting back in that boat together. We're not stopping until it's done. One more step, Peter. We've got to keep going, keep fighting, keep pushing, keep focusing on me. Keep your faith strong. I'm with you. We have not finished. It is not the end. You're going to get there. And then the moment they're back in the boat, the storms and the wind just cease. I think Peter needed that. I think he needed that. And they get back into the boat. And the disciples started to worship him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. You know, scholars, theologians, they look at this, they say this is the first time in the Bible that the disciples recognized who Jesus really was. Wow. Wow. You are the son of God. Wow. See, Peter failed. I don't want to mince my words. He failed. He sunk. But Jesus succeeded. Jesus took that failure and revealed himself to 12 young men who had never seen him like that before. What if your failure is the very thing that Jesus wants to use to reveal himself to all the people around you? Wow. He really is The son of God. This changes everything. It's not a story about Peter. It's a story about Jesus revealing himself to his 12 disciples. And the story finishes. It says that that they cross the lake and they go back to the other side. And then immediately the disciples start ministering to everybody all around them. They start going out and they minister to all these different people. And as I read this, I I can't help but ask the question, like, is Peter even dry yet? You know, is is he even dry? He's, He's probably still soaked, dripping from head to toe. He's soaked. And Jesus is like, you don't have time to dry off, Peter. 
you don't have time to get all right, we've got people to minister minister to. We've got people to help. We've got people to save. We've got people to reach. We've got work to do. We've got stuff to do. But we don't think like this in the church, do we? We're like, dude, you need to dry off. You need to take some time out. You need to get under a hand dryer or something because we don't do wet around here. We don't do wet in this church. We're a dry church. That's what Christianity is. We're all about being dry. I'm so dry. I've made no mistakes in seven years. Look how dry am I. But we're not. We're wet. We just love to pretend we're dry. We just dry our hair or something. Look how dry. Hey, I'm drier than you. We don't have time for wet people. But that's not Christianity, is it? That's like we're following Jesus. Are we following dryness? Whose faith is the most inspiring in this story? The wet guys or the dry guys? You know, it's not about whether you stay wet or whether you stay dry. It's not about that. It's about following Jesus into the craziest of situations. You know, I started this job and uh, Phil Russ came up to me right at the beginning and he said to me, I've got a word for you, Ben. And I was like, you know, I was just starting out. I was all excited. Yeah, give me a word, Phil. Thank you. And he said, you're going to fail. Thanks, Phil. Uh, Next time you can email me. (laughs) Like my email address is anthony.delaney. Uh, and he said you need to fail God wants you to fail so that you can grow to get to where you need to get to you're going to need to fail and every time you fail he told me God's going to use it because he already knows that you're going to fail and he'll catch you every single time see Peter sunk but his faith grew Peter failed but his faith began to flourish You need to fail. Failure is not optional in this church. Failure is obligatory. None of us are going to turn up to church saying, how dry am I? We need to turn up soaked. I said, you know what? It was horrific. I said all the wrong stuff. I completely messed this up, but I gave it a go. I gave it a go. I tried. I prayed for that guy and he thinks I'm a lunatic now. But maybe he'll go home and find that he was healed. Who knows if you've never stepped outside the boat? You've been trained your whole life to stay safe. You've been trained your whole life to build up this persona of strength, this Instagram filter of I've got it together. Do you know what? Jesus wants to use you in your frailty. He wants to use you in your weakness. He wants to use you in your insecurities. And when you're brave enough, when you're strong enough to say, do you know what? I'm just going to take all of these filters away. I'm going to step out. I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. I'm going to pray for you and I've forgotten your name and I'm really sorry because this has become awkward. But I'm still going to pray for you. I'm still going to give it a go. I'm going to go out there and I don't really know how to do this. But I know that doing it badly is better than not doing it. You know what? Peter didn't do very well on those waves. But his bad attempt on the waves was so much better than the attempt that the other disciples didn't make in the boat. We're a wet church. And we're going to stay damp. Hallelujah. <laughs> yes. Are you with me? Are you with me? Who knew that the hallelujahs would work? I want to finish today. I want to talk to you. Uh, if you're here, you're visiting. Or maybe if you're just here and you don't know this Jesus. Jesus. 
You know, I think a lot of the time we talk about following Jesus and, and we come from certain angles, but I, I've tried to be honest today. I've tried to show you exactly how I've experienced this. That it doesn't feel like the cocky Gene Kelly heel clicks, but the following Jesus feels like one step and oh Jesus help me I don't know how this is going to work out but if you're in this I'm going to keep on going and if you're not I know you'll catch me anyway and it looks like one step at a time okay God I'm going to give this money and I don't know where it's going to come from but I trust you and oh God I'm going to share this faith and they might think I'm crazy they might think I'm an idiot but I know that you are real and I know that I need to put myself out there and oh Jesus sure I'll I'll quit my job I'll go out I'll go out on the waves and I, I don't know how you're going to do this but you've given me a dream You've given me a passion. I'm not going to spend my life in a boat because life is too short to stay dry. And Jesus is the kind of Jesus who calls you out. He'll put you in those storms. He'll put you in the situations that you've been trying to avoid. He'll put you in places where you feel so far out of your depth that the only place you can rely is on Him because in your weakness, tap into his strength and I want to give you an invitation the Bible talks a lot about living life to the full and I think that that is what this means it doesn't mean living safety I think that following Jesus is the very definition of danger it's the very definition of an adventure that this is exactly what it means to follow Jesus and maybe you're here today and and you've fallen away. You, you know that you used to follow Jesus, but you don't anymore. Or maybe you're here today and you've never made that decision to follow this Jesus. I'm just going to ask everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads. And if that's you, and you want to say, do you know what? I'm up for this. I'm up for this. I'm up for failing. I'm up for sinking. I'm up for going for it because I know that if I do, Jesus will catch me. And I want to follow Jesus into the good, into the difficulty, into the storms, into the parties. I want to follow Jesus wherever he is. So if that's you, I'm going to count to three and I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand wherever you are. One, the Bible tells us that we've all fallen short. We've all come away from God. We've all made mistakes. Two, the Bible also tells us that Jesus died so that we could have that relationship with the Father so that we could know him, we could have a relationship with God. Three, if you want to say today, I want to follow Jesus, come thick, come thin, come rich, come poor, come easy, come difficulty, wherever you are, just raise your hand with me. As you raise your hand, someone's going to come around and they're going to give you a little booklet which just helps you to make sense of this. Thank you, I see your hand at the back. Anybody else? They're going to give you a little booklet and they're going to come around and pray with you. I just want to give you one more moment. If today you're here and you want to say, I want to make a decision today. Today is a significant day. I want to follow Jesus. Anybody else? See another hand. Amen. Someone's going to come round. Um, welcome to me. We're going to come and pray with you guys. It says in the Bible that every time someone makes this decision, heaven throws like the most amazing party. So we just want to clap and praise God for those three people who put their hands up today and made a decision saying, we're going to follow Jesus wherever it takes, out onto the waves. We want to follow this God today. 
praise you, God. I just want to pray for you. I want to pray that your life will not be safe. I want to pray that your life will be an adventure, that Jesus will take you places you never knew you would go, that He will take you in places where you see His strength and His glory magnified a million times. I want to pray that He takes you out onto the waves, that He pushes you into places where you are forced to be close to Him. And as you do, as you do, I pray that all the people around you will see the truth of this living God who is with you every single step. That your friends, that your family, that your neighbours will not be the same because of this decision that you made here today. Amen. We're going to worship this incredible God. Please stand with me, guys. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.